Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. But apparently there's an article out there about it, so people are asking about it, and Tom Holland would be well, super excited to do that. Let's wait till we're recording. Let's wait I'm till recording. we're recording. Pete's Me recording. Too. Yeah, come on. We didn't even start the show. We don't, have, that, we, we, start, we, don't, we don't need your top of the morning to get this thing going. I think we do, okay. but when you don't do it, we just go. We, we just start go. off the rails. I guess so. And, and right. from there. Go ahead. Do it. Right. Uh, so why? We don't need no, to. No, go ahead and do it. And then I'll do the music and then we'll start again because we'll just start and it'll be a whole thing. Go. Uh, I know. I see what you're doing here. I just want you to say it. Say a fine Saturday morning to you. It's showtime, folks. Enjoy the show. Uh, what were we talking about just now? Back to the Future never existing. Who went back in time? That's right. If you, that's right. That's right. If somebody you put went in back your, in time. You put in your VHS of Back to the Future, you'll see that Michael J. Tom Fox Holland. is he not did. is not always there. Yes, he went back actually, in time. Tom Holland yes. went back in time and met Robert Zemeckis. Yeah, and. Now there's no Back to the Future. Sorry, everybody. This is why we can't have nice things. Deep fakes. I don't know. Is that news? Is that even news? <laughs> I, it, there's no news. All right. I don't I know. Have, I have I some do, news. Okay. No. Well, go on. I, I, I have a... The only thing that I wanted to note on that, because it was uh, Robert Downey Jr. in the Doc Brown role, right? 
Yes. Um, You know, I have to wonder, I know he's like box office gold with all of the Iron Man roles and everything. And then then, he he pulls musical instruments without $175 million (laughs) to make that movie. And domestically. Oh, to make it. Okay, sure. To make it. $175 million. That's, uh, you know, and then uh, so far domestically, it's only made $75 million. So that's not great. It's not good. That's what you're saying. It's not good. No. I mean, it's done a little better internationally, but still, I don't think that's going to be a moneymaker. You'd think with no, a Doc Brown property, they would have known better. And and you're <laughs> telling me that you don't think Robert Downey could cash in on a Doc Brown? I'm sure he reboot? cashed in. I just don't think it was a good decision <laughs> for getting Doc Brown roles. Yeah. I think the lesson for 2019, 2020 is don't, don't remake musicals into movies. Or remake musical movies. So we'll see what happens with West Side Story. But after Cats and Doolittle, I'm not, it feels like people don't want retreads of musicals. Well, what else, what else is, about what other that? Ones Your segue. Oh, I'm oh, sorry. I'm just you have oh, I don't know. Go ahead. I don't, that's two for two. That's enough for me. I don't. <laughs> Cats, Cats isn't a remake of, of a musical. Well, I mean, it's a musical, well, it was but a it was music- never a movie. It's first. an adaptation, no. But just I, I don't know that people are turning out for musicals nowadays. We, we'll see. What's the other one? We'll see when In the Heights yeah, comes out. One, in the Heights, yeah, yeah. When the Heights, yes, we'll see. When I am that comes very out. optimistic yeah. about In the Heights. Yes, uh, uh, just because I think uh, Lin Manuel has cred right now. I think people are going to turn out that, for that. He's got all that Disney money. He's got that sweet, sweet Disney money. Yeah. What else do we have that's a musical coming out? West Side Story, well, your favorite. Uh, that one. Oh, every, a, quiet, every, a Quiet Place too. No, Quiet Place the, two, musical. the musical. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I love that idea. Oh, they're gonna, they're quiet Place the musical. All of the songs. Yes. Oh, no, John Krasinski, please make that happen. So let's see. Here's I just quiet googled musical. musical movies coming out in 2020. Everybody's talking about Jamie. I don't know. I don't know if these are based on no, Broadway shows. Or no what. one's I mean, talking about never Jamie, heard of that one, so but it has uh, Richard yeah. E. Grant, Pete. So there you go. There's a chance okay, to talk okay, about Hudson Hawk. <laughs> the the prom <laughs> is coming out with Aquafina. Uh, Praise this is coming out uh, in the Heights. You already mentioned, and that looks like it. So yeah. not a lot of musicals coming out in 2020. Um, I'm sure there will be some animated uh, Disney fair. Oh, sure. But I think, you know, what we're getting is a lot of, what is it, what is it, Pete? High School, the musical, the show, the movie, the musical? The <laughs> That's show? an ex- exceptional piece of AI-created tripe <laughs> right there. That's where, uh, all, that's where all the fans of musicals are going. They're going to Disney me- Plus for their high school musical, <laughs> the movie, the show. That's right. Uh, look, Dear Evan Hansen is, uh, is on the way. That is oh, a, it is. a nice okay. relief that's coming, but no release date, uh, and they're working on it. Um, <laughs> so uh, they, they sold the rights director, uh, Stephen Chopsky. Uh, Chopsky. Oh, Stephen Chopsky is going to be doing it for, as oh. a director of Wonder. And oh. uh, so he's he's in touch with that. So, I mean, it's, it, that is, yeah. it's, it's, you guys, it's amazing, this Dear Evan Hansen. I'm just saying, I know you haven't, don't, it's amazing. So just bear with me for the next few years until the movie comes out. The next few years? I don't know what it's coming out. I oh, mean, okay. Knows? Oh, what it's just been announced. Well, it's just, okay. just got to be at least 2021. If, if I'm that's thinking 2021. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's going to be, and, and hopefully. Um, and that's also. I, I don't know if I hope that Ben Platt is in it. I, I don't know. I think he might be aging out of the role. So. That, yeah. that happens. Yep. Yeah. 2021 is also when we're getting the theater theatrical version of the theater performance of hamilton right yes i'm totally okay with that which sounds like a uh, sounds like what you're going to get when you go to um you know uh what what's why am i blanking on their name the ones that do all the opera performances and stuff that you can go see oh fathom events yeah, like the fathom events it, that's what it sounds like <laughs> It just sounds like a they did this. They had they brought a bunch of big cameras in and they filmed it. It was just two weeks before they the first cast members started to leave uh, the original cast members. So it is an original cast production. They'd originally done it for great performances for PBS, and then things spun in new directions. And now they're going to do a theatrical release, which is just (laughs) fine by me. Do you think? I mean, I haven't seen it. Do you think that it could be made into a movie, just like a straight up movie, or does is the way that it's done defined by the fact that it is on 
stage. Oh, I, I, I think yeah, absolutely they could make a movie out of it. I mean, it's an incredible um, performance. It's, it's, um, it's a sing-through musical, right? So it, it's there's no play aspect of it. Right. There's no right. dialogue of yeah, it. It's, it's like just a, what do they call those? Like a rock opera or something? What's the term? Because that's like a Vita, right? And well, I don't know, Tommy the Who. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. So anyway, it's a sing through. That's what I call right. it. I don't know if that's real. Now that you made me think that I'm, I'm making up words, but that's what I've always <laughs> called it. Uh, and and so there's no there's no break. So it's it is a lot of music, but uh, I I think it's an incredibly dynamic show. It would be a great opportunity to do some really fun effects if somebody were going to throw some money at it. So we'll see how In the Heights does because I I think um, I think it could be great. So do you think they're missing the mark then by not doing that and just doing this? Oh no! This is I. I this is what I want to see because I, yeah. I don't want to see because that's how I fell in love with Into the Woods was seeing that original yeah. like Bernadette Peters that cast. I'd heard the album, seeing it. I was like, that's what I want to see. I want a recreation of the. I want I want the theatrical experience by plopping a camera down in a seat, or whatever, and it's like I'm there. I don't want to have a movie adaptation of it because. I did not get a chance to see it. And so this is the closest thing I will have to that experience. And that's what I'd rather have than a film adaptation of the same thing. See, I always find watching a recorded theatrical production, I always feel a lot more separated because I saw that same Into the Woods. And yeah. I was like, yeah, okay. And I, you know, then I saw it live and I'm like, oh, I much prefer it live. And I saw the movie and I enjoy the movie. But that well, first one. Well, of course live is better. Well, no. I, of course live is and better. And that was a high yes. school production. It wasn't even, you know, oh, anything big. Oh, okay. But I preferred it over that one because, I mean, and I enjoy Bernadette Peters, but I just feel so separated yeah. watching, you know, it feels like I'm watching a home recording of it. So I just, I. I yeah. like that because it always makes it feel like I could have been in that. Like had I only auditioned, yeah. <laughs> I could have been on stage yeah. with those people. Lynn Manuel <sighs> missed that boat. He's a very nice <laughs> prince. So Andy, by the <laughs> so Andy, would you say that it was a very nice ball? <laughs> so is it is it the fact that the cameras like locked down stationary versus no? Because being cause more immersed are they in the environment, stationary. It's right. I mean, they, they, right. there's a few different positions. Yeah. It just feels right. very. It, everything just feels. It, I, I guess it Stagey? amplifies the staginess of it. Yeah, it, it just yeah. feels okay. that much more. Whereas if I'm in the theater, I can find myself getting kind of sucked into. Well, it a I think more. what's a, what they did with the Hamilton stuff. If you look at some of the, I mean, they they have some of the clips from from the show, and it's it's one of those. It, it's filmed more like uh, I, I think akin to an Oscars performance, like a big celebration. Like the cameras are on stage, so you're oh, in okay. it. Uh, okay. and, and so my sense is it's going to be more dynamic than maybe the Into the Woods. Huh. The example. Okay. So they've, okay. they've learned their lessons and have amplified it a little bit. So that's it's all shot by drones, and so <laughs> oh. they're, they're called the Hamel drones, and they all they have propellers and little three corner hats. It's great. You're gonna love it. Uh, can we talk about the big uh, the big news of the day? Looks like old Stephen. Old oh. Stephen has gotten the Disney shaft. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, you have to admit, it's funny. I think it's funny. Steven Spielberg is stepping down. He says he wants to hand it to a new generation. He wants to hand aging Harrison Ford to a new younger generation for Indiana Jones 5 and is stepping down. And it looks like in talks to play the role of director, James Mangold. What do we think? Does that seem odd to be passing it down to younger generations and it just goes to James Mangold? <laughs> it's like, hmm, okay. I mean, I love James Mangold, but, yeah. you know, I mean. No offense to James Mangold. He's great. He's, uh, I mean, how old is he? He's uh, in mid-50s, so. <laughs> but he's he's more attuned to the youth. Is he? Clearly. Is he? <laughs> well, more than Steven, I guess, by yeah. a couple decades. <laughs> oh God, yeah, I don't, I don't know, I, I, 
is is my inner child locked in the closet? Andy, I guess that's a question for I, you. I don't have a lot of enthusiasm for Indy 5. I don't, uh, honestly, I feel like after the last one, they should have just learned their lesson and just said, you know what, let's leave it where it is and not come back to it. We should have learned well, our lesson I, after the third one. I'm optimistic knowing that George Lucas apparently won't have really anything to do with this one. So maybe that is a redeeming factor that we won't have ridiculousness. In it, I don't know. I'm I'm hopeful. Okay. Well, it's gonna. So I mean, yeah. I haven't seen Call of the Wild, but Harrison Ford is still running around and doing things. I guess. Yes. Um, uh, <laughs> Do you wonder around? if, like, I, I just, haven't seen it either, but I have this like image of Call of the Wild, where like during the river scenes, like that, it's just straight up CG cartoon Harrison Ford. Like, yeah, he's probably. just not in well, it. Well, I mean, they filmed the entire thing pretty much on backlots. I mean, like nothing was. Yeah. The, like, I don't even think they yeah. left California to make it. They didn't go to Harrison Ford's house, shoot it in his backyard. <laughs> Maybe they did. Well, he's got he's <laughs> got bad. plenty of it. Maybe I, they just went up to yeah, yeah. yeah. But I I think that you know largely they're just making it in a way where it's going to just keep keep him safe so that he doesn't break a hip or anything but break yeah i don't know i i just i i don't know i i question the fact that they're making it and i don't know uh what to think uh i'll be even more concerned if i hear that shia labeouf is going to be back <laughs> no no i think that's a not you're running through the woods <laughs> um, I, oh. I have a, uh, a spin, a, a, a little bit of a twist over from that to uh, Justice League, the unseen version. The uh, Snyder uh, Cut? Likely never Lee to be Wannell, seen yeah. Yeah, yeah, Lee 1L came out and, and had, a, I think, a really interesting perspective on this thing, that, that the unseen Snyder Cut is a director's nightmare. That there is that the the fact that there's an unseen version of the film that's supposedly the the quintessential version the perfect version of the movie is is yeah, no. is the director's nightmare and actually says that you know alien the alien director's cut or aliens director's cut and the blade runner director's cut that the director has somehow been so poorly mistreated or so poorly treated that they they you know, feel like a, there is a disconnect uh, with their movie. Uh, quote, I never want to have another cut sitting somewhere that competes with the original cut. I guess what I'm saying is whatever circumstances created that cut, whatever horrible circumstances are totally understandable, I would always view it as a terrible thing that there was an unseen cut of the film. Over the years, you'll see this, where it's like James Cameron re-releases director's cut of Aliens, and then he'll introduce it. And when you watch it, he comes on screen and he says, this is the way I always intended people to watch Aliens. And my first thought is that's nuts don't have one definitive version of the movie i hate this idea that we missed out on the version he wanted us to see how are you guys feeling about the justice league cut is specifically and director's cuts in general i only bring up lee 1l2 because of our connection to the film board movie this weekend invisible man go ahead I love the idea of director's cuts. Um, I, I love that. Well, I mean, not for that particular uh, yeah. case. You know, I, I totally get what he's saying there. But just the fact that they get, I mean, there's there's so many um, reasons that can go into why a film gets released the way it is. It could just be the length and they're trying to squeeze it into extra slots. And I mean, when a movie, ma when a movie costs a lot of money to make, I totally get that. The studio is going to say, look, it's you have to come under two hours so we can have that extra slot because we need to be making our money back. And then the director says, OK, that's fine. But give me the chance to do another cut. And, you know, if, if there's going to be different cuts, that's fine. I just I um, I I feel bad for Zack Snyder because he ends up getting put into a position where people are now fantasizing about this potential cut that's out there that may never exist. And now yeah. it's just so far deep in these people's heads that that's going to be the version that saves us all. And that version is likely never going to happen because um, it, it entirely possibly has never even been made. Like, I mean, who knows if footage from right. this, you know, version was actually shot. I mean, it's just, it, it ends up going down these dark rabbit holes and, and then people all of a sudden latch onto something that doesn't exist. If it exists, then fine. You can look at the different versions and compare whichever version you want. But uh, yeah, I otherwise I think that it's silly to kind of pine for this thing. Well, it's so there's the difference between a director's cut like Kingdom of Heaven, where like 
you've got the studio interference and it's cut down and the director says, well, this was what my vision was versus what I think we're experiencing here goes back actually to Superman to the Richard Donner cut where you had a director, you know, in disagreements or whatever. I know this situation was a little bit different, but a director that didn't complete the project, someone else finished it and people want that original vision that the initial director had and things that that exist out there like the Richard Donner cut of Superman 2 I think are part of the reason there is now demand for something like this because of the I think sharp contrast between some of the goofy silly stuff in you know Superman 2 versus the the Donner cut uh and I think that's People are are hoping to, you know, strike gold again with that of, oh, no, Zack Snyder clearly had a far superior version in mind, and we really want to see that. And I don't know that there's enough evidence or, again, I don't know that he, you know, what was shot before, you know, he left that project uh, to actually make it a a film that's, you know, because even the Donner Cut is, I recall there's... I don't know. They they weren't able to catch everything. I don't. I can't remember what what the status of that film is. I did see it, and I thought there was. I don't know if it's the color correction. There were a couple parts where you could tell this is the other stuff. Mm-hmm. And with Snyder's cut, I don't know that. I mean, the script may be there, but I don't know that if he shot he shot everything. I know there were reshoots and all that. So there's speculation of you know footage that exists out there, but I don't know that it's enough to actually make the complete film what I would imagine for a actual Joss Whedon version of this would be restoring whatever he shot and, you know, then filling in the gaps of actually giving him a budget to finish the other pieces, which is not going to happen. So I think, yeah, it's better just left being a mystery. Yeah. Leave it in your head. Just leave it in your head. You can close your eyes. You can see that perfect version whenever you want and just leave it at that. In my head, the entire version Henry Cavill mustache. Oh yes, <laughs> every scene. It's been CG yes. back. Yes, in places where they don't it was just not. un-CG it. They actually CG yeah. a mustache. They CG a mustache oh, yeah. on oh, yes. him throughout the entire film. Ah, oh, love that. Uh, one more thing, I just want to call out because it screams of my youth. You guys, they're doing GI Joe again, and it's a Snake Eyes spinoff with. Henry Goulding, and they just wrapped principal photography, and I am shook. Wow, you said a lot of you said a lot of words there that I don't know. No. Those words. What? Who's Henry Hooding? What? Oh, stop! Crazy I don't know. Asians. Henry oh, Goulding. Okay. Okay. Right? We like him. And then, and then Snake Justin Eyes. The gentleman. What? Snake, Snake Eyes? Eyes is the masked ninja assassin, GI Joe. And okay. you never see his face, and it's played by uh, Henry Golding. Okay, and it's amazing. What? Oh, okay, all right. Directed by uh, Robert Schwenke, uh, and uh, GI Joe takes me right back to my youth. So I'm just saying, I know it's a little bit weird for me to get excited about, especially because the first two GI Joe movies were not really great, except for there was that swinging on the wall uh, ninja you know repelling action that was fantastic although weird they gave them all swords and they just ended up cutting ropes that was not great (laughs) but i did love that scene i am totally in it i will try every time they come up with a gi joe movie i will keep going to see it if it's gi joe versus the transformers i will go see it now wasn't because that was my bedroom wasn't ray park snake eyes in the original yeah ray park was snake eyes in the original how he feels again left left i I don't know and the real question is, do we get to actually, are they going to show us his face in the movie? Because, you know, that handsome Ray Golding. That's right. I mean, not Ray Golding. <laughs> See, now you've the planted it. Uh, yeah, Henry Golding. Uh, because, uh, you know, his star is on the rise. And it's not just, I mean, Ray, part of the reason Ray Park was cast in that role is because it was it was predominantly an action role. It was predominantly looking at, well, you know, they like knew his said, face was going to be Yeah, covered. you never reveal him, right. Yeah, yeah, right. And so I wonder how they're going to how they're going to play that. But I'm very excited about the Deadly Ninja Commando Snake Eyes. Yes. I uh, I'm curious okay. about can it. Can I close the, Can I close the loop on on news? You can do your I got I got I got to bring it back around because Hot I takes. scrolled down and I saw Back to the Future the musical. 
Oh, dear. <laughs> is showing at the Manchester Opera House, and some first-look photos have been released. So there we, we're going. We talked about musicals. We talked about Back to the Future. We have Back to the Future, the musical. Oh, I love it. Starring there Henry Cavill with a mustache. With his mustache. That's yes. Dr. Rob. <laughs> Let's do trailers. Let's do it. Yay, you go. You go, right? I get to go yeah. first. And you I get, get to go, go first because, specifically because... Well, I posted first, as we all know, that's the rule. But I'm doing Candyman. Jordan Peele produced Candyman. Uh, this is a, it, it is a remake, reboot of a movie I've never seen. What? And so I How offer it to that? you guys. I know. Let me tell you, this he is wasn't my, a horror fan. Right? I was not Back a horror in, fan. Right? I've never seen it either. What? I've never seen it either. No, I, I'm not a No, and I, you know, growing up in Chicago, blah blah blah, and you know, Clive Barker. No, I just, eh. I yeah. was not, not a fan of horror movies. So yeah. the original Candyman, directed by Bernard Rose, uh, written by uh, Clive Barker and uh, Bernard Rose, Virginia Madsen, Xander Berkeley, Tony Todd. Never saw it. Don't know what it's about, apart from the fact that it's a murderous soul with a hook for a hand, uh, accidentally summoned when a grad student says Candyman a bunch of times in a mirror. And so here we have uh, Nia DaCosta directing, uh, Jordan Peele uh, writing and producing, and it's when there are a whole bunch of smart black people and Candyman is set upon them by five white girls who summon him. <laughs> <laughs> and I yeah. am so here for that. I can't wait. Uh, I, I think that uh, it, it actually looks nice and scary. I uh, it, it feels like they gave an awful lot away in the trailer of the scary stuff. Uh, I, I certainly feel like I have a pretty good sense of, of what's going to happen in the movie. Um, but I, I don't know, having never seen it, I guess, Andy, I call on you. What do you think? I, I mean, it has been a long time since I saw the original Candyman. I think I saw it in uh, under like a preview screening, actually, in, in my college campus. Um, and I enjoyed it quite a bit. It was a, a very effective horror film. And Tony Todd was fantastically creepy as the villain. And he's returning, which is a thrill. I guess what they're doing is this is a direct sequel to that film. It's retconning all of the other sequels. So uh, I'm curious now to kind of, I, I want to see the original one again, just to kind of uh, refresh my memory before I watch this. But I, I thought they did a great job of making a, uh, a really creepy horror movie back in 1992 with that original one. And I think that it looks like they're doing a good job here. I, I have a feeling that you're seeing, um, you know, a lot of hints as to what's happening, but there's probably going to be a lot more uh, awful stuff. So it should be <laughs> a fun one and definitely one that uh, I'll say, let's put it on the film board slate for June. <laughs> <laughs> I I wonder is it Andy would you put it in the category with like because uh, I how many sequels were there do you know I mean was it another one like Lake Placid and like that we were my talking understanding about the is that there are uh, four five four films what? there's Candyman that... Candyman Farewell to the Flesh in ninety five Candyman Day of the Dead in ninety nine and this one will be the fourth one okay I don't well, I don't know how many of the original people had been involved in those particular films, though. I'll tell you, I feel very strange saying this, but but uh, I'm put me down for a ticket. Uh, June 12th, 2020, it hits. I'm, I am <laughs> eagerly awaiting Candyman 2020. I am, too. All right, Steve. Yeah. How you doing? I, I'm doing well. I brought something artsy. Yep, brought something sure scared Andy. Just the the thumbnail scared Andy. <laughs> That's all I needed. I saw a person buried up to his neck in black and white with a crow sitting on him. I'm like, no, not more hard to be God. Anything but that. <laughs> no, I am bringing you the painted bird based on the novel by Jerzy Kaczynski and all of the drama that is involved in that novel of his and whether it was his or plagiarized or written by someone else or autobiographical or fabricated or not. Uh, but this is the story of a, a young boy out in Eastern Europe, and he's basically out on the run during World War II. And there are bad things happening in the world. And this is his his story of 
survival in that dangerous, hostile world. So I like this in that I'm a little bit done with war movies, but this is a movie that is, it's a story that's set during wartime, not so much about the war itself, but perhaps the consequences of war. And you shoot it in artsy black and white and you cast, you know, great faces that look good in black and white, like Harvey Keitel, Stellan Skarsgård, Udo Kier, and apparently being typecast as a sniper, Barry Pepper. <laughs> <laughs> Because I haven't seen him in anything in a while. And I thought, I think the last time I saw him, he was a sniper. I don't know. That's what it looks like he's doing in this one. I, so, uh, but this is uh, directed by Vaclav Marhaul. Marhaul. So what is interesting about this is that it is the char- the language spoken is an is an inter-Slavic language, which I did not know what that meant, but apparently it is a sort of constructed language that allows for cross-communication from different Slavic nations. And Harvey Keitel speaks it. Yes. Awesome. Julian Sands does too, because he's rattling away in the trailer. That's right, yes. I'm assuming they all do, but I don't know. I'm assuming they are, yes. So... Yes, that I found very intriguing that they're using that language. And I guess uh, from what I read, that was an attempt to not uh, set it in any particular country, but to give it a more, well, it's sort of an Eastern European non-generalized story. <laughs> it's the mid-Atlantic accent. Yes, yes, For it Eastern is. Europe. <laughs> yes, that's what it is. Yeah. I was really, uh, I, I had no idea that there was um, this trilogy out here right now of these bird films. We first had The Nightingale, and then we had The Goldfinch, and now we have The Painted Bird. Who knew that uh, <laughs> we were going to be getting so many, uh, the, so the, many bird the movies. bird franchise that's out there right now that uh, maybe Alfred Hitchcock started back in the 60s. It's in the bird cinematic <laughs> universe. Right. I love it. Yes. Uh, right there with Birds of Prey that just came yeah, out see, uh, earlier see, this month. Right. Yes. This looks really interesting. I love this, um, the feel of it. Um, I'm not familiar with the novel. I, uh, but just looking at the faces, the way that they're putting it together, the the production, everything looks um, just done in a very exciting way that I was just excited about as I watched it. And, and um, even though it is long, I mean, it is almost three hours. So I, I was having hard to be a God flashbacks again from that. But I just, I don't know. I just love that it ha- that they cast these faces to be in this film and they're all speaking this, uh, this inter-Slavic language. It just seems like a really interesting idea about a, a, a I don't know, it could be a really powerful story. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yes. Oh, I think so, too. I like that idea of just like, here's something different. Here is something different from a traditional war story that's going to just make your brain work on some different levels. I think that looks really compelling. And the black and white looks gorgeous. Yeah. And you'll be able to check it out April 17th, 2020. All right. Well, my... That leaves you, Andy. It's me. My yeah. movie is a... It's not a movie. It's a movie. It is not a movie. What is it? It said it's a Netflix limited series. I wasn't even paying attention. Yeah. Well, now I feel bad, but I don't really care. I <laughs> I feel bad because I'll probably never watch it now that I, now that it's a limited yeah, series. That's right. Knowing, knowing me. This is already in Andy's graveyard. <laughs> that's right. Hey, I did finally watch Chernobyl. So there you go. It just, and you okay. gave it a good five stars. That was great. I'm proud of you. Takes its time. Takes its time. Uh, it is self-made. The uh, the story uh, it says inspired by the life of Madam C J Walker. It is a uh, apparently it is a series. I should have been paying attention a little closer. But I you know I just found this really interesting. And I guess why I picked this and actually Casey Lemons and Domain Davis are directing a speaking of uh, going full circle with Candyman because Casey Lemons was in that original one. Um, I, this is a story about, uh, Madam CJ Walker, who was a, uh, back in the, I believe it was the, uh, like, uh, 1800s and, uh, into the early 1900s. She was the first real African-American entrepreneur and she built this hair care empire and she became the first female self-made millionaire, which I think is really exciting. 
and uh, uh, in the in the show here, she's played by uh, Octavia Spencer, who is just always fantastic. And what I find really interesting about it in the timing of it is just how relevant this story seems to be like becoming right now. Just the idea of identity and hair is becoming a very big thing, especially in the African American community, and how. Um, you know, what it says and everything. I mean, you look at uh, everything that that happened with uh, DeAndre Arnold and his dreadlocks and not being able to walk at graduation at his high school. Uh, you look at uh, Chris Rock just did a documentary, Good Hair, about, mm-hmm. about it. And yeah. then, of course, we had Hair Love, the Oscar short that, uh, the animated short that just won. Exquisite. Oh, it was fantastic. I, I think that it's just a very relevant topic right now. And it's, it just speaks to identity and the fact that this woman this was back in you know a time when you wouldn't think it was happening but i mean back in the late 1800s she is is starting up this uh, business selling uh, hair care products and i think it sounds like a really interesting product project um Plus, I mean, uh, who doesn't love seeing Blair Underwood in anything? So, who Blair clearly Underwood is another? Doesn't age. Uh, that's what I was about to say. He's another Tom Cruise. <laughs> like, what's up with this guy? Yeah. He's just not aging yeah. at all. So, anyway, that's my pick. Self-made. What do you guys think? Well, I think it looks great. It looks like four episodes. So, if they're our episodes, this could just be another How to Be a God. That's right. <laughs> uh, you just watch them one after another, and you're fine. <laughs> Uh, I, I think it looks that, great. Dude. I love Octavia Sp- uh, uh, Octavia uh, Spencer. I think she's fantastic. And uh, I've been watching Truth Be Told. Uh, and uh, that's the Apple TV Plus uh, show. And I think she's just so great. Uh, but I was very excited to see Garrett Morris in the trailer. And uh, Tiffany Haddish <laughs> is uh, obviously very, Sounds very funny. Great, huh? And uh, the, it's really, I mean, the cast is just exceptional. And so I'm I'm really excited. This looks like a, a fascinating story of a fascinating person that, you know, how else are we going to hear about it until Netflix starts throwing money at it? Oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to adding this to my my little watch list and, and Netflix and binging it over a, a weekend. And I, I, I love stories out of history that have been forgotten, uh, particularly ones that we have a renewed uh, context for, you mm-hmm. know, this or an interest in it. So, yeah, I, I, I love, you know, new stories out of history like this. Yeah. So, yeah, very much looking forward to this. Well, it looks like it, it will be on Netflix. Uh, Friday, the series will premiere Friday, March 20th. So. There you go. All right. All right. Don't make any plans. Now, hey, let's re-rank some movies. Andy? Hey. See what oh, yeah. we did there? It was in the <laughs> yes. rundown. Therefore, yes. it gets read. Oh, there's a rundown? I forgot to look <laughs> at it. I forgot to open it. Because <laughs> I just go with it. Yeah. No. Go with the flow. That's right. All right. Professionalize this outfit. You Nobody do. Seems just, to care. We, we do a great job. Yeah, oh, you, you know. know you do. Yeah, you do an excellent job with that. I just forget to always. I even use the intero bang again. Ah, oh, yeah, see, I just incredibly sophisticated outfit. All right. All right. First so up, we worst. have Syriana or the remake of the Thomas Crown Affair. I will take Syriana. Uh, Syriana. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Next, we have A Star is Born in 1976, the Streisand Christofferson version, or A Star can is Born in 1937, the original. <laughs> what are the odds? I definitely would pick the original. Yeah, definitely the original. And Steve probably has seen neither. Uh, you're right. I may have seen bits and pieces of the 76 one, but I have not seen the whole thing that I remember. Yeah. So, but Steve, it's Chris Christopherson. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all right. He's very upset. Uh, Star is born. Uh, the thirty-seven version held steady at spot two twenty-nine. Next up, we have Prometheus, or for a few dollars more. Oh, I will take for a few dollars more. A few dollars more. Yes, okay. always, always. That one held steady at one forty-eight. For number four, we have Out of the Past, or Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Oh Brother. Out of the past. Wait, what is out of the past? It is a fantastic film noir. Robert Mitchum. uh, Kirk Douglas. Oh, I haven't seen that one. It's uh, it was remade as Against All Odds. Oh, that's right. It's such a yes. great noir. Yeah, no, I haven't. I have not seen that. It one. is. They're yeah. both fantastic. They are. Um, well, okay. I'll pick out of the past, I, 
Okay, I'm gonna let you have it. I don't feel strongly, quite strongly enough. They're both exceptional films. Well, it went up from 129 to 61. Whoa! (laughs) Wait, what did it? I think what did it beat that was that high? uh, Well. It beat um, oh, brother. oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Oh Brother? Which I think had but had, oh, brother's that high? It had, had a bump in another re-ranking because before oh, it had right. been, you know, we had the Oh Brother, the brother block. Brother block. It was kind of yeah, somewhere yeah. in the middle of our chart. Now it's in the... Uh, there I think are we fixed a that lot in the great, of yeah. movies that yes. got pushed <laughs> below Oh brother. Yeah. brother. Yes, that's true. Next up, we have National Lampoon's Vacation, the original, uh, or we have Hero. I have to go vacation <laughs> just because of my Wait, nostalgia. For when, it. when you say when you say hero, hero, which, the uh, Zhang Yimou film. Yeah. Okay, okay, with Jet Li. Uh, yes. So this is one where we're going to say out loud. I acknowledge the better film, and I'm choosing National Lampoon's Vacation. Yes. No. Yes. No. I, oh, I am saying the same thing. No. Peter. All right. Fine. You can both be okay. wrong and live with that. Are, That's you, fine. are you picking Wait a hero? Wait a minute. Or are you so saying vacation is you just disagree with better. our premise? Which which way? Are no, 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 no. I'm saying I pick hero. I love that movie. Yeah, we do too. It's such a masterpiece. Yeah, but it's vacation. It's yeah, yeah. It's really great. It's good, Steve. Yeah. It's great. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. hero's fine. Vacation fine. held yeah. steady in spot seventy-one <laughs> on our chart. <laughs> Sorry, folks. Park's closed. Who's our park? Should have told you. <laughs> oh, next up, we have The Lion in Winter or Leon the Professional. Well, I'm saying I've The Lion in Winter. to keep up for the first mile or so. <laughs> I don't even know what you just said. Why, the why, Lion why in Winter or I, something else? Why do I try? Sorry. The Lion in Winter or Leon the Professional. I'm the Lion in Winter. It, all right. Lion in Winter. Wow. I have have not seen Lion in Winter. That shocked me into clicking on it in a excited agreement. Because what? Mm. (laughs) Yeah, click on it fast. Before before Pete changes his mind. I gave it to you. I gave it to you. Surprisingly, Lion in Winter held steady, spot 226. I don't know where I am. Number six, I think? Uh, Number seven. Number seven. Lady Vengeance or Splash? I have to go with Splash. I can't. You can and I had trouble with, I even had trouble with some Lady Vengeance, yeah, uh, but. But it's Splash. It's so good. Mm-hmm. It's so funny. I don't think Steve has seen Lady Vengeance. I have not. That's on my list of movies that I need to get to see. Yeah. I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with it. Here we go. All right. One. One. Two. two three. three. Paper. Rock. Lady Vengeance wins. Lady Vengeance held jump? steady at 302. Okay. Uh, number eight, Pennies from Heaven or the Lonely Guy. Oh, two straight out from our Steve Martin series that we did at the end of last year. I, I'm going to say, mm, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to those shows, and I'm curious to see how you guys vote on this one. Because I haven't seen... I'm, I think yeah. I'm going to have to... Wow. <laughs> the, like, <laughs> like, of all of the Steve Martin movies, these are the two that, <laughs> that yes. were... Uh, <laughs> Thrust forward. <laughs> yeah. I was about to say Pennies from Heaven, and then I remembered, oh, Pennies from Heaven. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's a really interesting one. The Lonely Guy is also really interesting, but it had more things that I I feel didn't work. I don't know. I feel like uh, I'm really at odds with this because I feel like both of them have a lot that didn't work. They sure do. Given that, I could go either way. I think I'm going to go with Pennies from Heaven. I think that's where I'm going to. Lonely guy made me ironically sad <laughs> for humanity. <laughs> well, clearly that's how we preferred it because pennies from heaven held steady at two eighty four. Oh, there you All go. Right. Good. That's okay. a relief. Uh, number nine, pale rider or the born identity. I will take mm, born the identity. born identity. Yeah. Steve, have you seen pale rider? No, we talked about that last week. I can't week. remember. Did yeah, you yeah. have okay. Oh, I have, have not. not. Oh, see, I have not seen, you, I have not seen you, you told me that, but yeah. I don't know what your answer yeah. is because you still. <laughs> if I don't remember, I still don't remember just because you said, "Oh, we talked about it last week." <laughs> so thanks for that. Uh, you're right. welcome. And our last ranking. Uh, we're returning to out yeah. of the past. Oh, born identity, by the way, went up from two hundred one to one forty two. With that, okay. Oh. Last one. Um, returning to two uh, that we just talked about. Well, one is the series. We have Steve Martin's The Jerk. And we have out of the past. Oh, absolutely out of the past. Out of the past. That is a great one. And again, held steady in spot 61. 
All right. There is our re-ranking for the for the morning. <laughs> That's great. It is. That's good. It? We did. We did good, team. All right. Well, let's do our lists. Now, I feel like there was a little bit of griping on Discord on your part. Yeah, well, there was a lot of griping. <laughs> I could have, I could have griping, actually like, griped. Why did we do yeah, this? I don't know what we we're thinking. Yeah. I think it was Steve's idea, and I piled on. <laughs> is how it happened. And now I, I get piled on. Okay, great. And yeah. so we did fine. It was tough, and I had to adjust my expectations for myself. <laughs> oh, sure, of course. <laughs> That's all you can so, do. That's all one can do. Let me tell you. <laughs> let me tell you how my afternoon went as I started researching these. I started searching, started with the Goog, and uh, oh. I started looking at um, at movies. I, I finally landed on a strategy. I had to look for movies that professionals in a given field highlight as their favorite examples of Ooh. their field. Okay. Yes. Okay? Yeah. And I was moved by many of their decisions. And I'm going to start because I don't want it to be taken. Uh, I'm going to start with one that that I found most surprising. Uh, and that is the most <laughs> accurate example of courtroom legal procedure. And you can't put legal eagles on your list. <laughs> oh, yes. Back off, legal eagles, you. No, this one really surprised me, and I want to. I want to say it because I think yeah. you need to. I think I want to see if you can guess it when I tell you that it is. It is a movie that the American Bar Association said new attorneys need to watch for a great example of courtroom legal proceeding. Wow. Okay. Anything. My cousin Vinny. My cousin Vinny is right. Did you look what? that yep. up? Are you kidding? No, no, no. I no. I've heard this before, and I because I have still have never seen it and don't care really? to. Have not. It is. It's yes. good. It's really good. Apparently, yeah. Oh yeah. I, I yes. Marissa Tomei wins an Oscar. And yes. The youths and uh, yeah. Hollywood. I, yeah. This is what they say. Hollywood neglects yeah. accuracy in favor of excitement and tension. <laughs> My cousin Vinny apparently <laughs> sucks all that out. Uh, any attorney will tell you that while appearing in court might have thrilling moments, they're likely to be few and far between. In the real world, there's a lot of waiting around, mountains of paperwork, and more than a few boring bits. It's not like Ally McBeal with dancing babies and dance routines. Some courtroom dramas manage to hit that sweet spot, providing entertainment while not straying from the truth. They say that my cousin Vinny, the writers consulted with the National Institute of Trial Advocacy to craft court dialogue. Dialogue. It is considered to be so accurate in depicting American jurisprudence that it is shown in law schools as an, and I quote, instructional video. Because Vinny needs so much guidance, other characters have to explain the most basic legal concepts to him that are glossed over in other films. Even seasoned trial attorneys can learn much from watching this film. My so cousin Pete, Vinny, y'all. Now, Pete. Now, the Ally McBeal reference to that article makes me think it was written maybe around 1997, 98. Uh, August 29th, 2019. What? Whoa. Wow. Okay. Yes. All right. But All attorneys right. live yeah. in the past? Well, no, I'm just, I was just thinking that there may have been something since, you know, Ally McBeal that, you know, was a little bit more yeah. accurate. That thing. was but their no, reference. That's, that's it. Okay. There Look at go. that. All right, Steve. All right. Steve. Um, okay. I I I tried a similar approach because I I knew Wired had a series where they sit down with experts in their field and they talk about which movies are accurate and which ones are are not. And unfortunately a lot of them aren't. Or right. some of the ones that were accurate, I was like, yeah, I haven't seen that. I did never heard of that or whatever. So I had to dig deep. And I came up with sort of a list of things, and I, I, some of them, it's been a while since I've seen it. I thought, oh, yeah, that's a, oh, no, they don't actually explain how to do it. It's just there. So some of these might be a little on the edge of everything, but my first one is um, Tom Hanks telling, showing us how to survive stranded on an island in Castaway. It is a steal. 
and I have oh. research to back it up. Okay. <laughs> so that one I thought, there's not a lot of, I mean, sometimes they'll, you know, you get a montage or something, they'll gloss over things. I'm like, no, this, it's pretty basic. Here's how you can start a fire. Here's how to, you know, go make a spear and catch fish and all of that. I thought it's pretty rudimentary. How to take your tooth out point. when it's... Yes, exactly. Well, okay, so I have to I have to pile on here because I think this is yeah, fascinating. Sure. The great Bear Grylls ah. actually calls this one of his favorite survival instructional movies. And he calls out the fire scene in particular because of one point. He is making a fire. He said, there have been times where I've been in the rough and it took me 12 hours to create a fire from nothing. Like it's hard work and there's so much sweat. And that one scene where Tom Hanks is working so hard on the fire and he finally gets a spark and the sweat comes down his face and condenses on his nose and drips onto the fire and starts to put it out. He said, that is legitimately happened to me. And it is so right on. That movie is an A number one pick from Bear Grylls. So that All means right. something. Yes, it does. That's a good one. I uh, didn't have it on my list, but I thought about it. Uh, instead, I'm kicking off with what better way to figure out how to survive a plane crash in the Andes than watch Alive so that you know if you crash in the Andes, you just have to eat the dead people. people. That's, that's what you do. <laughs> so I'm I'm going the much less serious route than you guys are. <laughs> Clearly, Alive is my first pick. I have nothing to say to that. Like I, I you don't have the to research yeah. to back that one up. No, for I don't me. have the research no, to back that one up. No. The, eat the dead. Bear Grylls said nothing about eating well, the hey, dead. Well, it worked for those Uruguayan soccer players. So, I, I, <laughs> I, so there you go. Well, I have another one from my Bear Grylls pick. This was my backup. If if somebody stole Tom Hanks, which I thought was going to be Andy, but. Uh, since it's already on the board, uh, I'm going to go back to you're you're in you're in the frozen rough. You're in the woods. It's frozen, and all you have is a dead animal. How are you going to stay alive? You lightsaber it open, and then you duck inside. That's right. This is a technique used by both Leonardo DiCaprio and the great Han Solo. It is slice open the dead horse and climb inside, just like Leo did in The Revenant. That was his next pick for staying inside. And then Bear Grylls says, you know, I've had to do that with a camel. <laughs> that was all he said. So I don't know why he was doing that in the camel. It was so cold where he had to survive in a camel. Uh, but that was it. The Revenant. Leo, Dead Horse, or Tauntaun, if you have one. There you go. All okay. right. Steve, second pick. Okay. This one I, I thought was maybe stretching it until I came across some information that said, oh, okay, this this will work. And I'm not stretching the rules as much as I thought. Um, this movie ended up having a significant effect on a president's understanding of and policy on telecommunications and computer system security and led directly to Ronald Reagan pushing the first federal laws intended to outlaw hacking. He basically saw the movie and said, hey, uh, could somebody really break into our computers? And he was told, uh, yeah, we've been doing stuff like this to China and, and Russia for years. So <laughs> War Games is number two oh, on my list. God. Wow. I thought it was going to be hackers. <laughs> no. <laughs> that's, that's funny. I love it. I actually thought about yeah, that movie go. and I'm like, yeah. there's nothing real in that movie. <laughs> Hacking it? Yes. There, there are some things that are fictionalized, but the ability to actually, you know, get in hacking Wait, in. There were some in things fictionalized in that movie. In war games? <laughs> there was. There was, because computers don't talk. Oh, okay. Out. That was pre-Siri. Right, you know? right, right. For my next pick, I am going with a, a film that I found to be incredibly magical. It came out, uh, I believe, in 95 in the U.S. It was a... 1994, or I don't know if it was an Italian film or uh, where. I think it was you Italian, but it was um, directed by a British person. So that's why it's a little uh, a little confusing. But it is The Postman, Il Postino, 
And what a fantastic film it is about a mailman who is inspired to write poetry and taught to write poetry by the famous Chilean poet uh, Pablo Neruda. And uh, he learns how to kind of express his love through poetry, how to put the words together, what a metaphor is, all of this stuff from Neruda himself and really kind of inspire uh, his life to the point where he kind of goes out and changes the direction that he has uh, been living. It's a fantastic film. And I loved the way that the the character as portrayed or the Neruda character as portrayed by uh, Philippe Noiret really kind of teaches this uh, this postman uh, played by Massimo Troisi uh, to kind of, uh, you know, use poetry to do something more with his life. It was a really magical film and uh, made me feel like I wanted to walk out and write poetry. So second pick. No. Andy, Andrew. Yes. Uh-oh. Let's see. This was what? 90, 95. What did you say? 94? 95 in the U.S. Yeah, 94, 95 in the U.S. So in 1995, I was living outside of Washington, D.C. in grad school, working on my master's of fine arts in creative writing, concentration, and poetry. Went with some people to go see Il Postino and were very eh about it in terms of... <laughs> Capturing poetry, creative writing process, et cetera, et cetera. Well, so, for, you, for you elitists, maybe. Yes, we were, maybe we were it's like, not great work. story, but for, but for eh, people not who so are, much about the poetry. Postman. Yes. yes. It worked pretty well. Yes. For yes, who there you are go. Postman. postman, sure, get inspired. But for those of us working in the craft, we were, eh, eh. Good love story. Yeah. All right. Not so much. Well, okay. so much for that one. I am. I am yeah, uh, I'm breaking a rule that is usually only broken by Steve. It is oh. not to pick a movie that is that we've already done in the catalog. I am doing yeah. that, uh, and I'm doing that because I ended up going to school with reti- with a retired uh, jewel thief who was walking through the most accurate heists and writes that this movie, there is so much wrong with this movie, except for one major sequence that is so, so right. They learn so much about this location through this sequence that it's just awe-inspiring. It's just fantastically written. It's fun. It's it, it it's just everything else falls apart after this. But this is why you watch this movie if you want to learn how to rob an incredibly complex place. You'll never get away with it, but this is where you go to school. <laughs> that is Ocean's Eleven. And the sequence I'm talking about is casing the joint. Mm-hmm. He says this is just a, uh, it is a, a masterclass in writing how to case a, a, a fictional underground vault casino. Really fun. Thank you. Because I actually named my list a Boski, a Jim Brown, a Miss Daisy, two Jethro's, and a Leon Spinks, not to mention the biggest Ella Fitzgerald ever. Is the name of my list. Outstanding. But that's, that's I'm glad somebody picked it. So are we calling I, that I, a steal? No, no, oh, no, okay. no. It's just the name of my list because I, I didn't think there was anything actually really, you know instructional yeah. in that because i thought oh it's it's ridiculous there's no way to be able to pull this off well so, that's no, right his, his the, he, yeah. things fall apart he says because there are 11 people if you're going to rob someplace <laughs> you don't want 11 people <laughs> two it's three a terrible idea yes and it only gets worse okay. by the time they have yeah. 13 yes. yeah right wait till you see oceans 18 it's uh-huh. gonna be a disaster <laughs> so really it's sh- it's a series that should be working backward it should be, it should be backwards. Backwards. 11 yeah. 10 9 down, uh, oceans 9 that would have worked perfectly because yes. then they did eight. Yeah. Smart. <laughs> Smart. We're going to have mid-cools now because of you. There we are in the ocean cinematic universe. Thank you. All right, Steve. So my number one pick is came to mind because of a conversation in Discord about binging with Babish uh, and that parasite uh, food and all of that. And reminded me of one of my favorite movies when it comes to food, which is John Favreau's Chef. There are so many moments in there where you just watch him assemble food, the grilled cheese sandwich, for instance. And I just get hungry watching this film. And then the Netflix series that he's done, the chef show where they actually recreate some of these things. And one of my favorite crossovers with this whole binging with Babish is 
that he's on the chef show and they're doing uh, the um, molten lava cakes or whatever. And then John Favreau notices he has this tattoo on his forearm of the the um, two pronged fork that he uses to set the pasta that he makes for, for Scarlett Johansson in the movie. And so John goes over to the shelf, pulls it off and says, oh, this one right here. Here, you can have it. This was the one I actually used in the movie. You were willing to tattoo it on your body. You deserve to have this. Mm. Yes. Babbage, oh, he, he, he starts to lose it. He, he's starting to tear up. Um, it's a great, great series to check out if you love food. Uh, but Chef, uh, it's making me hungry just thinking about this. I'm going to right watch it right now. Yeah, yes, right. Exactly. exactly. Yes. So that's my number one because I'm going to go grill up a grilled cheese or make some pasta or something great, watching great, that. Great, great, great pick. Yeah. Awesome. I, Andy? It's funny that you picked that. I wrote that down and I'm like, no, I, there's no way I'm picking that because I know Steve will put it on his list. <laughs> but I was yep. like, I, I need to get food on here somehow. And I was like, I was thinking about Burnt and putting that one on here. But, oh, but in the end, yeah. or Big Night, which is another one that uh, has a great little Almost, scene. Yes. But I ended yes. up picking this film, which uh, I think it's magical the way the scene is depicted in in the preparation of the dish and uh, what's more magical is the way the dish is received on the other end when the uh, critic uh, takes a bite of it. It is mm, Ratatouille, yes. the yes. fantastic Brad Bird animated film where they actually make a Ratatouille dish at the end and watching how they do it and everything, uh, it totally inspired me. And now I, I make it probably at least once a year usually around the holidays i'll make that ratatouille dish and it is truly delicious and it's uh, a lot of fun and uh it's just exciting to see them make it in this film so ratatouille my final pick love it great set of movies uh and and i that was not terrible it wasn't for, for I, all I, I just for like the to complaining complain. like that you do yeah. that's okay on brand <laughs> no. what are we going to do this week we were talking about Les Samurai. So I think we've all seen it uh, now that Steve watched it, thanks to Criterion's channel. What are our list options going to be? We have to have something related to fashion. Like great coats doesn't quite do it. <laughs> Highest collars doesn't quite do it. They're all Luc Besson films. Uh, I don't know, but something has to be related to the clothes. Uh, Give me something. Oh, okay. I wouldn't have picked that, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now I'm feeling like we're gonna pick it, and somebody, and then it will be the the Saturday matinee torture picks. <laughs> so what I mean, do you no, got? It, it's it's. It, uh, I was too busy trying to build my list to start thinking about this. Uh, well, I mean, it's it's a uh, yeah. it, this is a double cross. This really, I don't know if it's a double. Yeah. Is it a double cross or is it well, just because no. he gets uh, recognized? And so, so I feel like there has to be something about um, the lineup. Uh, you, the usual suspects. Yeah, list. usual suspects list. Oh, okay. Usually, yeah, well, yeah, because there is the sort of round up yep. the usual suspects. Yes, I was I was thinking about the uh, sort of the. Clever, you know, the clever crook that outwits the cops because that whole thing with the bird in his in his apartment that lets him know when people have been in there, I thought was ingenious. Bird alarms. Bird alarms. Yes, bird alarms. Yes. So bird box. I'm not, not going to and... lie to you. I worry about that because now I have well, bird box and the samurai. No, I'm just thinking, you know, clever ways that they, you know, uh, clever the, the ways outwit to the, outwit the cops. To outwit the, the cops. Yeah. Okay, okay, so so movies that depict clever ways to out out with yeah. the cops. Okay. Well, I, okay, so I was thinking because of my deep uh, affection to the biggest microphone bug in the industry, <laughs> I, I was thinking maybe great movies with great surveillance, <laughs> like like great examples of people surveilling other people. Can it be not audio, but can we also include yes. like when they're following oh, sure. yeah. him? Because yeah. I think Any, the following surveillance, yes. all you know, that, yes. that oh, gives yeah, that us was, some, yeah. yeah. Any surveillance. Any any all right. high-tech surveillance. No, huh? just surveillance. Yes. It it's just surveillance. It doesn't even have to just be high-tech. Just following okay. them on okay. a train, I think. Yeah. Okay. So we are rounding up the usual suspects, movies that depict clever ways to out with the cops, and great surveillance. Totally. There you go. I'm wow. in. All right. 
But we'll put this up in our show talk talk channel over in our Discord server so you can get in there and vote before next Thursday. And uh, whatever gets the most votes, we will talk about. uh, We'll pick some movies and talk about them on our show next week. Steve? You know, what we should do is we should take some of these topics that we never get around to. We should put them on a shirt and sell them at TNRTheNextReel.com slash merch. That's what we should do. Because, you know, those subterranean, you know, everybody wanted to do subterranean whatever escapes. Nobody voted for it. We need a subterranean escape shirt on TheNextReel.com slash merch. And people can pick up all kinds of fun merch over there at TheNextReel.com slash merch. Well done, Steve. You're getting better at that every week. Working, working <laughs> on it. Yes. Great show, everybody. Thank you so much. And if you ha- haven't considered joining us over at uh, patreon.com slash the next real week, highly encourage you, invite you uh, to consider becoming a member of uh, the supporting crew that helps make this show possible. We sure appreciate your uh, cash, cold, hard cash donations offsets the cost of hosting the show, of delivering it to you around the world. Thanks so much. Thanks, everybody. We're out of here. Happy Saturday, everybody. Hondo. I love the conversations that so many of our hosts have had on their shows. Steve and JJ on Trailer Rewind, Ray and Ocean on Silver Linings, even Tommy's short-lived No, No, Wait, Hear Me Out. And so many films they've discussed started out as a book, a play, or even a TV series. Well, now you can support our whole family of podcasts by using our new Originals page to buy the original source material used to inspire films covered on our shows. Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these fantastic conversations. It's a wonderful way to support the show. Producing these podcasts week after week require a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, try using our originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. It's your one-stop shop for Amazon and Apple links where you can buy the book, play, video game, movie, etc. upon which the movie is based. Original material for trailer rewind movies like If Beale Street Could Talk, The Goldfinch, Aniara, or The Two Faces of January, or Silver Linings movies like Repo Men, which was based on the repossession Mambo. Plus, by using those links to buy books, Amazon and Apple show us a little bit of love, which allows you to support our family of shows with minimal effort. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals. It's a fantastic way to support the show and find a great book to read. That's right. Head over to thenextreel.com slash originals to find your next read and get started today. Mm-hmm.